0: Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, super producer extraordinaire Brandon Newman. Brandon, Happy Friday! How you doing?
1: Happy Friday, Mike. They try and take my kids from me.
0: Oh God! Now that they you've become the last the,
1: podcast. Now that you've become the poster
0: take- child for hating parenting,
1: a self-hating oh, parent. Dude. And surprise, I mean, your dad was right. Michelle was not happy to hear about how bad it's been. But I was like. I feel like I've been feeding off your energy. I was like, you haven't been thrilled the last three years. (laughs) are you talking
0: about wait so for anyone that didn't listen to the last podcast brandon basically came out and said that he is not having a great time parenting and that he liked the version of himself better before he was a parent and now you tried to upon having to reconcile this with your wife blame it on her that was your solution to the problem that you made for yourself by saying that where she could hear it
1: See, in this podcast, I'm just talking to my friend Mike. I'm just talking to you, and maybe we did too much talking candidly before the podcast, and that slipped out off the, off the top. So let's let's just, you know. <laughs> I'm good, Mike. Happy Friday,
0: 13th. Happy Friday, the 13th, indeed. we got a great show for you guys today. Wildcard weekend coming up in the NFL. Pumped about that one. Five awesome games this weekend. We know we got the Monday Nighter with the Bucks in Dallas. We'll get to that on the Monday podcast. We're going to deal with the five podcasts that we've got here. We've also got an update on the most important NIL deal in the country. A very <laughs> important plane ride that we need to get to before we get to our picks and some extra fun for this weekend. Brandon, I also... uh um, had one of these moments yesterday uh, as we talk about the perils of real life, uh, back and far away from the subject of parenting after that. I realized that I treat adulthood with my body the same way that I would treat studying for a test in college where mm. I try and cram things all the way at the end. And then as soon as it's over, I am indulgent in a way that goes against everything that I should be doing. Case in point... Uh, with the dentist and going to the doctor. So I had to get blood drawn today for a physical that I've got coming up. And so for the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to really make sure I was living right. I tried to do healthy as much as I can during the fall, but in the last two weeks, and then you got to fast the night before you get blood drawn. And as soon as I walked out of there, it was coffee, two burritos. I came home, multiple packs of M&M, multiple Reese's peanut butter cups that I had in the house, a half a pint of ice cream. It was like a full on devolving into debauchery. After that, I felt shameful because I realized while I felt like an adult going and making sure I got all this stuff done and going and actually scheduling the doctor's appointment, I acted like a little fucking kid during all of it.
1: Yeah, I don't know how not to do that, Mike. Like, that's exactly what I would do. You know, I've been ever since January 1st has started. I haven't got on a scale because when I am down and feeling good and losing weight, I look at the scale and and I see a low number and I go celebrate with the most food I've ever eaten in a night. So I <laughs> I, I set a I'm record. With you. I set a record every time I see that number. I'm inspired by the number to do, do numbers.
0: It's it is it's my theory, and I always mumble under my breath whenever, like whenever I run into a roadblock in my mind about this. My yes. go-to is always, The Rock has cheat days. As if our workloads are anything even close to similar, and our cheat yeah. days are anywhere near the same frequency, but it's enough to justify it in my head, and you can
1: use it too. Oh my gosh, The Rock is... So- don't get me started i don't want to get into the rock right now i whew. brandon let me get let me do this let me do this right. do you believe in bad luck um no not really okay the number 13 friday 13th oh boy anything anything spooky freaky do you do you buy into any of that at all
0: no, the only thing that I even remotely subscribe to is full moons. I think weird shit happens when the
1: moon's out. A hundred percent, shit gets weird. In full moons, high tide, uh, things like that. But, that's okay. my thing. Is like
0: the moon has the power to control the actual ocean. So
1: who knows yeah. what else it's tugging on? Oh, I, I think it's I think it's something in the blood that gets moving and oxidized, and you get a little high, and you just make decisions that you would make. Oh, that like, it's one. Not your, it's not your right brain.
0: That one, and I don't actually know what this does, but the one thing I will always use is a blanket excuse when Mercury's in retrograde. You got to have a friend that's into astrology just yes. to let you know when Mercury's in retrograde because then nothing is your fault. Accountability goes out the windows.
1: 100%. It's, it's the universe around you, it's the universe around you. But I did look up the reason why 13 is seen as a bad luck is because 12 days of Christmas. 12 months in the year, 12 zodiac signs, 12 labors of Hercules, 12 Olympic gods, 12 tribes of Israel. It's in the Western culture, 12 represents completeness, and that one tick over it, chaos.
0: Mm, Chaos indeed. Well, um, one bit of good news, I guess, then on Friday the 13th, and one thank you before we get started with the body of this podcast, Um, uh, we hit, apparently, according to Brandon, who has the inf- access to all of our information, at some point, we're not exactly sure when, but recently, within this last month or so, we hit a million downloads for the podcast, which I know Woo! we do a five-day-a-week podcast, and that yeah. adds up in different ways, and yada yada, but... It's still an arbitrary benchmark that we will celebrate and thank you all for. The people who download, subscribe, rate, and review, listen to this podcast, leave it five-star ratings and reviews, and even check it out on YouTube even though that doesn't technically go to the same place here, so this is more for the podcast people. But uh, either way, thank you to everybody that's listened. Thank you to everybody that's clicked play or clicked download or clicked any of the buttons that do the things that we like on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Play, on iHeart. Wherever you get it, it's greatly appreciated because that's a cool number to see. If for no other reason than it Reminds us that somebody is listening as we sit here and shout into the void at each other on this computer.
1: Yeah, for me, it's a nice benchmark of like, okay, that's how many many people have seen me F this thing up. Now it's motivation for the rest. The next million are going to be like, what are you guys talking about? Brandon's great. You know?
0: <laughs> Brandon's been great for the first million in my book. But we'll continue <laughs> to try and be even better for the second million, as Brandon said here. Um, yes. So, uh, Brandon, I want to get to wildcard weekend stuff, but I feel like we also do have to acknowledge the Odell Beckham Jr. body cam footage video that came out here. You were the one that brought this up to me off air, so I wanted to make sure we got to it before we start getting to all the football. And for anyone that missed it, Odell Beckham Jr., this felt it feels like months ago now, was on a flight going from Miami to Los Angeles, or was supposed to be, before he was removed from the plane, along with most of the passengers from the plane, because, according to the flight attendants and the workers on that plane he had been unresponsive when asked to put his seatbelt on which led to him being removed from the plane and a whole lot of takes ensued and now we got this body cam footage from the cops that were pulled onto the plane to try and help the flight attendants deal with this and brandon i don't know about you we had all of this body cam footage that came from After the actual interaction between Odell Beckham Jr. and the flight attendants, we saw the aftermath. We saw where the flight attendant called him the baby. We saw where Odell Beckham Jr. starts chirping with a passenger on the plane, calling him a fat ass, telling him he's going to be on a private plane while that guy's waiting 40 minutes for his next flight. I still feel like I need to know what the initial event was if I'm going to render a judgment one way or another outside of the simple truth of all of this, which is that being put inside that mental tube. And really, once you get to TSA is the worst form of most humanity, it puts us all in the absolute worst headspace. I had to check myself from almost cussing out a little old lady because she chirped me because she heard me swear a little bit too loudly as I was dealing with flight cancellations and trying to do that on my phone and came into my space with her criticism of how and I had to stop myself and remind myself this isn't how you want to act but we all have been in similar situations and that's saying that for the flight attendants who I feel like in some of the ways they dealt with this situation seemed a little bit overboard and with Odell Beckham Jr. who certainly went over the line in his Portion of the video here. And so I just look at this and it's a reminder. I think all of us, if we're honest, see a lot of ourselves in a lot of that video at some point in our travel lifetime. At some point, if you have flown enough, you have existed in a spot where all of a sudden, I bet if you look back, you would be pretty
1: disappointed with the person that you are. Okay. That's for people that have been on planes. There's some people of the million that's listened that's never got on a flight. Shout out to everyone living in Kansas City. Um, that airport I think sucks. The, <laughs> that airport will bring out the worst in you quick. That thing's a shithole. I, 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 you said that, not me. But I wanted to say it's not the airport thing that is the common ground in that video for me. It was four minutes and 25, 35 seconds of seeing someone who just woke up from a very, very deep sleep. In my opinion. Odell Beckham. And if you've ever been Woken up from a very deep sleep, disoriented. I know we've done a lot of waking ourselves, or waking each other up before like early morning lifts and things like that. You say some crazy shit when you first wake up. Even for me, I was passing out during the day, earlier today, and Michelle wasn't even home, and I would wake up responding to her. Like I was like, oh no, nah, babe, I'm doing the oh, thing right now. And I just which, would scream Wait, Which side note oh, is F, one of the she's most not em- even home.
0: Which side note is one of the most embarrassing things ever when you catch yourself waking up and responding out loud to someone you were clearly responding to in the dream. It's the dumbest I feel by
1: far. Mike. I don't I don't want to turn this into a parent podcast again like yesterday, but <laughs> one of the things Carter does, and it's so freaky and scary, right around five thirty in the morning. This MFer is in his crib arguing with us. <laughs> he's like, "No, daddy, I want to do it." Like, uh, "Mommy, no, I want to watch something." Like he's in his, he's
0: dreaming screaming Bro, he's, at us like He's getting reps in. He's getting ready for his day right now. He's got to do battle with you guys <laughs> trying to stop him from doing the stuff that he wants to do. And so he's just sharpening iron in his dreamscape right now. That young man's unlocked it. He's in the hyperbaric time chamber of
1: dreamscape. That's incredible. To get back to Odell Beckham Jr., I saying that he was clearly disoriented and disoriented in an upteenth fashion. And to be dealing with badges and, and flight attendants and things like that when you're coming out of a deep sleep and you, and you, you know, he probably think he's still in a club somewhere. Like, I'm shooting him bail. I, I know he didn't look great in it, but the flight attendants, in my opinion, who were trying to service him looked worse.
0: Yeah, like, it, the, the look-worst thing doesn't matter. Everyone looks shitty in this video. Like, I think it's everyone bringing their preconceived notions about one side or the other to the party and trying to legislate them in a situation where, again, we don't know the event that spawned all this. We're working off reactions with absolutely no visual on the source. All we have gotten is the after. Where, yeah, calling him the baby seems like an asshole move. And Odell Beckham Jr. chirping people that will never make as much as him in their lives going off the plane because they're not rich enough to like he talks about go fly private right from there like all of it sucks all of it sucks to me it's bad and it's because air travel brings out the worst in all of us i don't know how disoriented he was before that video started and if he was unresponsive how worried the flight crew was about him midair in a cross-country flight potentially being a liability when it came to that and i don't know how much it's just because he looked a little different he looked like he had had too much fun the night before in first class I don't know any of that stuff and right now i don't really care about any of that stuff because everyone kind of looked bad in this video and it just to me is a reminder like hey when we walk into that building we're all fighting the fight trying to get to where we're going like we're all trying to get there in real time and i do feel bad for all of the other passengers on that plane who by whoever was at fault in this process had their travel plans messed up because the one thing i always notice man is anytime you think you've got it bad on a plane like i was recently on a flight that was delayed going through dallas and it was going to get me home four or five hours later i was like all right i don't have anything to do i have anything going on there are people with international flights on the same plane as you there are people going home to see loved ones there are probably people flying to funerals that they're going to miss some part of there and so the one thing that we all got to make sure we remember is we're all working for the same team trying to just get through this process with as little human interaction and as little issue as possible and somewhere along the way somebody or both somebodies in this process fucked that up and a whole bunch of other people had to pay that check that they wrote on that one and that sucks
1: yeah in the argument that it is Odell Beckham Jr's fault I was on a flight in Miami with a lot of celebrities that got canceled and de and deplaned and all that stuff. And if Russell Westbrook or Amber Rose or Guy Tory or one of the rappers that were on that flight were the reason why that flight got canceled, I would have been shitty at them too.
0: Right. Like you can understand that part. And again, Odell said the quiet part loud. I don't need this. This was just a yeah. flight of convenience. Everyone right. else who needed that, that's a tough spot to be in there. So uh again Air travel brings out the worst in all of us. It's a ter- it is a terrible place to be. That's why my mo headphones on. Speak to as few people as possible. Be as courteous as possible, and try yeah. and just get to sleep super fast. And you know what? And even sometimes, clearly, that's not always enough. So, uh, Brandon, let's get yeah, to wildcard let, Let's get to wild weekend now. Let's get off the plane and get onto the field and uh, look ahead to this weekend's Ooh. games for a little bit there. How about that one? Um, so. Uh, wildcard weekend. We've got the five games coming up this weekend. The slate looks like this Saturday's matchups. Seattle at San Fran is the four 30 PM Eastern game. The chargers at Jacksonville is the night game. And then Sunday you've got the one o'clock Miami at Buffalo, the four 30 New York at Minnesota and the night game, Baltimore at Cincinnati. It's the game we talked about. My dad's going to be calling for Westwood one on radio. And so Brandon looking at those, Clearly, based off the news of the last couple of days, there's already a couple of these that have moved to the bottom of the barrel as far as games that we're excited about, right? We got sure, the news yeah. the other day that Tua of is ruled out because of the concussions that he has suffered this season when they traveled to Buffalo. So that automatically puts a damper on that game. Buffalo's almost two touchdown favorites, 13.5 points in DraftKings Sportsbook in this game. And then you've got Baltimore and Cincinnati in the same boat here, as now we have gotten official word, Lamar Jackson going to be out. We saw the note from Lamar Jackson that also got put out there, where Lamar Jackson online basically... Explained. hey, I've been dealing with a grade 2 PCL sprain. It's a borderline grade 3. These are all difficult things. I would love to try and be out there, but there's still inflammation surrounding my knee, and my knee remains unstable, which leaves either Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown getting the start and obviously puts a huge damper on this game because without Lamar Jackson, we've seen that Ravens offense has been BAD bad. So those two games, unfortunately
1: on paper, feel like chalk. True. I think the... Dolphins gang is... Dolphins gang. Dolphins... <laughs> what am I I think the Miami game is more chalky because they're going up against the Bills, where the Bengals, like your dad explained, can leave some plays on the field, and the Baltimore Ravens can steal those plays. I don't think that the Baltimore Ravens need Lamar Jackson to beat the the. To beat the Bengals right now, I I I'm, I tried to slow myself down from saying it to actually think if I actually believe it. But Lamar Jackson would have been nice. But I think one of the things, the reasons why he's not playing is because he has played in playoff games hurt before and he has lost those. That one of the reasons why his playoff record is the way it is is because the wear and tear he goes through the season usually. And this isn't a good argument for his getting his money or not. But I think he sees. What he does when he's not at 100% and he doesn't want to mess his money up by going out there not at 100%. Because we get a chance to get that later on in the playoffs if they win this game.
0: Yeah, I, I just I think that we could talk about them covering without Lamar Jackson. I don't think they can win this game without him. I just don't. Like, not the way these teams are currently situated. I think you're right about Miami and Buffalo. Like, that is the market. Like, I'm taking Buffalo in the points in this game. Like I'll give you 13 and a half because in addition to Tua being out, Teron Armstead, their left tackle, I don't believe practiced Wednesday or Thursday this week. Bradley Chubb is dinged up going into this one. Liam Eichenberg still wasn't practicing uh, for a lot of this time. Raheem Mostert dealing with injury. Like It's a banged up football team that just is not offensively itself, especially if you've got Skylar Thompson going in there, the rookie that had to start for you late in the season.
1: Can you say something about what would happen if the Dolphins do win that game? Just so if it happens, we can clip it off and post it.
0: Um, if the Dolphins win this game, it'll be one of the bigger upsets in the modern NFL. I don't have stats in front of me on how many two-touchdown underdogs have managed to win on wildcard weekend, let alone against a team in the Buffalo Bills that was picked to be the AFC representative before the season. Josh Allen was the preseason MVP. And while that's waxed and waned a bit, especially with that quarterback being injured, this would be insane and also one of the biggest feathers in the cap of Mike McDaniel who already has plenty of good on his resume from this season so it would be absolutely insane this would be like if TCU had beat Georgia Maybe not maybe not that bad because the talent disparity is not that crazy, but you're banged up at the most important position and a few other key positions. And we know Tyreek Hill was limping around, had an ankle in the last couple of games, and when that yeah. guy's not 100%, obviously the offense changes shape a whole lot. So it wouldn't be that, but it would be the
1: NFL equivalent, we'll say, in this stage. Yes, and I don't expect it to happen, but I want to give respect to the season that we just got out of. It was the most competitive season in NFL history. I think it was uh, something crazy like 25 games uh, got decided on the final play in the regular season. Like, this has been a pretty competitive season. Wild shit has happened, and I don't think that's going to stop in the playoffs.
0: Well, and look, listen, this has been – I think I saw on ESPN, this is the fifth straight seasons where underdogs had been profitable from a betting standpoint. They had done really well. Mm. And for, in this series, all the playoff games that we have this weekend and wildcard weekend are rematch games. Some of them multiple times because they're division opponents like this game. And these are both were both close games. It was a 21-19 win for the Dolphins in week three, and it was a Bills 32-29 win in week 15. Now, different story because you had Tua in those games. Different teams different teams entirely and so that's why I have concerns now especially because for Buffalo Josh Allen's further and further removed from that elbow injury that was the real scare in the middle of this season and so you combine that with them you know I saw Micah Hyde their safety that had been injured for a while was back in his practice window this week also so you've got a team that outside of Von Miller and losing him which was huge only had Jordan Phillips as the player that missed uh injury or missed practice due to injury uh earlier this week but Jordan Poyer and Roger Saffold were just on rest earlier in the week. Isaiah McKenzie was limited, but everybody else was full participants and feeling good. So with the rest of that roster in the state, it's in on offense. It's it's weird to say, you know, it's weird to simplify it down to this point, but as long as Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are pretty healthy on that offense, I feel
1: good about them being able to get past
0: this matchup, especially with the defense they've got.
1: Speaking of that defense, Mike, everyone wants to talk about Josh Allen's, Red zone interceptions that he's been throwing, and obviously he had one more against the Patriots the last time he came out there. Uh, have any of those turned into points? Like, let's talk about like the freedom you have when you are have a good defense that, and you're like, I dare you to move this 98 yards or however long it'll take to to turn this thing into points. And and the Buffalo Bills are good enough on both sides of the ball and special teams to to stop that.
0: Nope, 100%. So, yeah, I'm going Bills minus 13 and a half. Like, we don't even need to get to, you know, the potential emotional lift that could come there. Mm, uh, Demar Hamlin it's, being it's, released it's. from the hospital, the weight that's off that team's shoulders in so many ways because of that. So, uh, but Brandon, for Baltimore and Cincinnati, for that game... <sighs> Talk to me. So... Earlier season matchup, again, division teams, they've played twice. Ravens 19-17 win in the first game. Bengals 27-16 win this past weekend. But we know that was also a game where Baltimore was pulling punches. They had Anthony Brown in there who might still be in there as the starter as well. Tyler Huntley was back uh, throwing. He had been dealing with shoulder tendinitis. So that would be some help. It's not really been a great offense with either quarterback under center, but certainly Tyler Huntley's better than an undrafted rookie. Full-on periods. Full-on stop. That being said, Mark Andrews is out. They were resting him in week 18. J.K. Dobbins was out. They were resting him. And that was a game where Anthony Brown had, I believe, two turnovers pretty early on in that game. Yes. So I'm looking at that and saying they were still able to muster up some points without their best offensive weapons where their rookie played like a real rookie. I'll go over 40 and a half is just too low for me in the total on this game. And so division opponent nine and a half kind of scares me. Although it's worth noting. And I thought this was among many of the betting notes for Wildcard Weekend, an interesting one for from ESPN. In the past thirty seasons, home favorites of at least nine points are eleven and zero against the spread, undefeated, never lost. Cincinnati nine and a half point favorites in this game, so but
1: they they're they're going right back to the place that they just played. And it's a division rival. Oh, I
0: get it. That's the one thing with that stat I don't know is how many of those wins were division games where you're, in theory, playing a team a third time, which I get it. Right. Difficult prospect of that. Know each other really well. Baltimore's going to get an offensive boost from having two of their best offensive players there. And you've got a banged-up Cincinnati offensive line that I still think was able to protect, pretty well. You've got Joe Burrow, who is adjusted and is playing more patient football, hurt people with his legs, take the stuff underneath. So I think Cincinnati wins, but I think we go over. 40 and a half in that game
1: yeah I'm it's going to be one of those games that may not pick up until the fourth quarter unfortunately just because I feel like there's fatigue around these teams playing each other and obviously everyone wants to move on uh and you know continue their season but I think they're more compatible than people are giving them uh respect for so um yeah I like I like the Ravens plus nine and a half in this game
0: Uh, Speaking of the other game uh, that's also we have three lines over nine, three home favorites uh, over nine points, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, Seattle at San Francisco, San Fran minus nine and a half in this game. Again, division matchup, 27-7 Niners win in week two, 21-13 Niners win in week 15. So they had the season sweep going into this game. And, Brandon, the Seahawks' first half of the season was really excited. The back half has been a bit of a mess offensively. There's really been a slide there. Uh, It's been bad in pass protection, overall production. It just didn't live up to the initial burst of speed that we saw from there. I know you brought up there's supposed to be weather in this game also, which could make it a little bit sloppy. And, listen, Brock Purdy has been phenomenal. It's still the rookie, Mr. Uh, you know, Mr. I almost called him Mr. Unlimited. God damn it. <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant rookie Mr. Irrelevance first playoff game. All that being said, this one screams the under on this one. Now, 42, again, it's another borderline one, but bad weather, healthy running backs in this game here. Kenneth Walker looks like he's going to be good to go in a way that I don't think he was in the first two games uh, that these two teams played. And so I just think all those factors together, uh, plus in general, since 2017, again, this uh, courtesy, I saw uh, Aaron Dolan bring this up on ESPN, since 2017, Unders have hit 60 per, 67% of the time on wildcard weekend. So I think you can get familiar teams, a bit sloppy play, a little bit more ball control with a team that's had tr- troubles protecting on one side and a rookie quarterback who's thrived on getting the ball to his weapons on the other side uh, in this game. So that would probably be where, uh, where I fall with that one. What about you, Brandon?
1: What we just saw with Pete Carroll, in that Seahawks defense, I feel like they're going to give Brock Purdy fits. Now, the San Francisco 49ers that was a 10-game winning streak with two different quarterbacks. Like there's a reality to that team just being good and solid. And obviously they're one of the best teams in the NFL. But if anyone is going to play spoiler, it's going to be Geno Smith and Pete Carroll. And that defense over there for Seattle. C- C- but I, I don't I don't trust them to do so. But I trust the weirdness of Wild Card Weekend. And minus Chris, Christian McCaffrey always just getting in the end zone. And I'm hoping the, the rain slows him down a little bit and makes it so he doesn't have three touchdowns. uh, One receiving and the rest rushing. I want to take the Seahawks plus nine and a half in this game.
0: All right. Yeah. Listen, again, it could be, especially because of weather conditions, a little bit sloppier track. We know Sam Fran wants to get up and go. Uh, Good news for them. Aaron Banks was a limited participant, offensive lineman out of Notre Dame, a guard next to uh, Trent Williams, who had been down a little bit recently as well there. So healthy along the lines of scrimmage. And I just think overall, too much. Like Sam Fran, again, to me, locked to win this one. Like, if you're building out a parlay somewhere and you want the San Fran money line, by all means, you know, attach it on there and prosper. Easy money.
1: A little stat to that. They played twice in the regular season, San Fran and Seattle. And I think the teams that play, if, if you sweep a team during the regular season and you play them in the playoffs, the team that is and 2-0 in that scenario is, is 14-9 in the postseason. So, the numbers are in 49ers' favor outside of them just being a better team in general. But,
0: yeah. Oh, I Brandon, I can I can I can solidify that stat for you. In the last 20 years when teams have playoff rematches and teams win and cover every regular season meeting, they're 40-54 and 3 against the spread in playoff rematches. So that would be Seattle and the Sea and the, the 49ers in that one. So history's saying you're not wrong on that front that it is very hard to do this 3 times in this current environment with that level of familiarity. But that's another one of those games that I think just because San Fran's been so dominant. If we're talking about levels of excitement, that would be next up on the rung after the two games where we've got injured quarterbacks missing time. I think if we had been able to bottle and sell Seattle's magic from earlier in the season, it would be a bit of a different story. But when you look and go back to, let's say week 14, I think that's right. I went back and looked from week 14 on. When you look at sacks allowed by these teams, and again, we know Nick Bosa, this 49ers defense, gets after the quarterback as well as almost any unit in football. Since week 14 and during this time when the Seahawks really started to slide a bit, they have given up 15 sacks in that time, 24th, uh, 24th in the NFL. So they've been leaky. This team gets after you. I know they're going to have Kenneth Walker to try and offset that, but the San Francisco 49ers are only like the number one rush defense in football also, so there's not a lot of wins to be had. That's a dominant unit that can absolutely drag them to a Super Bowl this year, and I expect that to get going this weekend for them. The biggest thing for them is just going to be come out healthy. like All your parts involved, like come out healthy, continue to batten down the hatches and get ready because at this point, they look like the favorite in the NFC. I know Philadelphia, with a healthy Jalen Hurts, would probably dispute that, but we don't know how healthy Jalen Hurts is right now the last time the Seahawks saw Brock Purdy he was dealing with that oblique injury so you're also going to get a healthier version of him but right now they look like the team that absolutely everyone fears in that conference
1: a really cool stat is Geno Smith is trying to be the first quarterback since Rich Gannon in 2000 to win his first playoff game at least 10 years in the league wow Jesus. Yeah. Uh,
0: We'll see. Yeah, old man Gino. Going to give it the old college try. Um, All right, guys. Let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it? Wrong. All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Brandon, let's look at the one that Dad called out as the most prime for an upset. New York at Minnesota. The Mm -hmm. Giants are getting three points in this game, and I am happy to take them. The Vikings needed a big-time fourth-quarter scoring output to seal the deal the last time these two played in week, I believe, 16. The Vikings end up winning 27-24. The Giants have struggled to score points most of this season. I think their offense is playing as well as it has all year long right now. I think you're getting the best version of Daniel Jones that we've seen for most of this season, so much so that a lot of people are all getting high on that let's sign Daniel Jones to that big old extension this offseason supply. I don't know if I'm as there as some other people are but Again, he's proven a lot this year at quarterback. Uh, on the other side, the Vikings dinged up on their offensive line. Uh, Garrett Bradbury dealing with a back injury. Brian O'Neill, their tackle, already out and on IR. So you've got some worries there against a the New York defense where you can certainly find some yards. So I'd expect it's a lot of Justin Jefferson, obviously, like it's been in this game. Dalvin Cook is going to have to step up big time. But I like the Giants plus three in this game a lot. I just think with Saquon Barkley and their ability to gash uh, – Uh, excuse me gash a minnesota vikings defense that certainly is ready to give it up on the ground the giants got healthy late in the season on the o-line and saquon had that kind of resurgent year so they can do what they've done like the game script that has been successful for the giants all year long of ball control and lead with your ground game sprinkle in quarterback run which again like i'm looking at and tomorrow at some point we we'll of a, a same game, like a parlay deal with DraftKings, the sports book. We've always got those great boosts and parlays there. That Vikings and Giants game, Daniel Jones over 34 and a half rushing yards. Looks looks pretty enticing. Like oh the same gosh, the same the same game parlay I had built out was the Vikings money line, Daniel Jones over 34.5 rushing yards, and a Justin Jefferson anytime touchdown. Like
1: so you like the Vikings to win straight up, though? Yes. So, okay, okay. With the rookie quarterbacks, our quarterbacks with the rookie head coaches, I feel like I have more trust in Brian Dayball just because there. You got to have that little, uh, that little oomph. Like I feel like the the players are gonna play for him type shit. You know, like the the college, the the you know. You know, you know, playing for the playing for the jersey type of thing. I feel like the the Giants have a little bit more behind them than the Vikings do in that instance. But you're right; the Vikings are definitely the more talented team.
0: Well, I I don't even know if that's totally
1: true. Like, again, most... Their defense is not there. The Giants' defense isn't there. Well,
0: neither is the Vikings. The Vikings' defense is B-A-D bad. Like, I understand they've got a couple of guys that we respect. Like, obviously, Harrison Smith's a great future Hall of Fame player. Obviously, you've got some guys in the front four that can get after the quarterback. But it's not a defense that is produced in any meaningful way this season so i have a hard time really giving them a huge vote of confidence over what we've got on the other side. You like them enough to win the game? Yeah, you know, again, like the Vikings have been fine in spots where they're expected to win.
1: But uh, everyone's pick, picking the giant, uh, Giants in this. Or I guess they're picking the they're picking the uh, the spread. I was going to say, yeah, like Vegas has them as the favorite when
0: Minnesota has been the favorite and when Minnesota turns the ball over. They're 12-0 when they force a turnover over the course of this season. We know Daniel Jones has gotten a lot better with that. I believe he's got seven games, or the Giants, I should say, have seven games without a turnover this year. So it's been a lot better version of that, partly, partly because this team has been a lot more focused on its run game, and Brian Dable has leaned into their strength on that front, but they've been good about not turning the ball over. So that's really the be-all, end-all with this. This is if Minnesota can go out and force a turnover, they've been a good team penalty margin-wise, and when they force turnovers, they've capitalized on it, and they've just Justin Jefferson
1: people to death. Honestly, if you're looking to make some money, it would be interesting to fade all of the head coaches that are 1st years with their teams. But uh, then, Ty Bowes, Brian Dayball, Mike McDaniel, Kevin O'Connell, Doug Peterson. But, but then which what I
0: expect? I was gonna say that's like please. that's like all of them. What would you what would you do in this
1: matchup then? Because you've got two first timers. That's what I'm saying. I. I trust. I think I trust Brian Dayball uh, a little bit more, but Ke- like I said, Kevin O'Connell has a better team, and it seems like he has a better staff too. I, the the Vikings are this. This is the most interesting game in my opinion because they're both such mid teams. <laughs> they're just. <laughs> Like capable mid teams. Like, you don't expect either of these teams to make it to the NFC championship game, but it should be fun watching them play.
0: Yeah. Like, the, the NFC feels like it is right now two teams and then, like, it's the Eagles, it's the yeah. 49ers, and then, like, technically when we've talked we've lumped the Cowboys in there but it hardly feels like that the way we're all limping into this game cautiously poking them with a stick wondering if we're going to get a limit on Dak turnovers enough to keep Tom Brady from doing the thing that feels inevitable like again I don't think any of these teams can win I think it is Philadelphia or it is San Francisco that's going to come out of the NFC and it'll take an act of God for it to be otherwise because no amount of Tom Brady black devil magic is going to be able to overcome the fact that for the most of the year they have been a team that's been allergic to scoring so yes
1: well we're gonna save our breakdown of that bucks cowboys uh game for tomorrow but spoiler alert i expect to see cooper rush wow all right that's a tease
0: if i've ever heard one here which brings us to then, brandon i think the most exciting game of the weekend that we've got coming up right now Chargers at Jacksonville just because they're very similar teams in the fact that they are constructed around quarterbacks that I think have two very interestingly similar skill sets. I've said that Trevor Lawrence is really just Justin Herbert with an edible. Like he just relaxes
1: a little bit and is a little bit more fluid. Speaking of fluid, and shouts out to Gabe Goodwin, one of our friends uh, out down in L.A. near you. He posted both their pictures and he said, This is clearly the lettuce bowl.
0: Yes. Oh, absolutely. Of the weekend. Yeah, I don't It's not even really close, actually. Yeah. This is this it's is the, the, the f- flow game of the week. Yeah. Flow Joe. Um, but it's interesting. So you've got a Jags team on one side that has been pretty decent rushing team for a lot of this year. Trevory uh Trevor Et- Trevor Etienne. Trevor, Travis Etienne. Sorry, Trevor. I was combining Trevor Lawrence Damn. and Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne's come on a lot. I think they found really good ways of getting him on the edge of defenses there. They mm-hmm. were trying like hell to stay away from the middle of that Tennessee defense last week, and uh, results were still kind of a mixed bag there. Trevor Lawrence, uh, since week nine, has been money against man. I saw the stat on ESPN since week nine against man coverage. He's second in completion in percentage, third in QBR, tied for fifth in touchdowns, and the Chargers run... The most man coverage in the NFL at about 60%. Now, the one thing I'll say about Brandon Staley is when it comes to pass defense. He has proven himself a capable coordinator. He was one of the teams in that, mid-game, in that mid-season swing when all of a sudden people started to talk about figuring out the Dolphins' defense. It was the 49ers laying it out there and then the Chargers jumping on top of that as a markedly worse defense statistically in most ways. The Chargers were able to strap them up pretty good, what had been a very high-flying offense, and so... I would trust Brandon Staley in that regard. The Achilles heel, once again for this Chargers team, is they can't defend the run for shit. And so if you're the yes. Jags, you lean heavy on that and you try and make this a ground-and-pound ball control game and make their life a living hell on that front because who to thunk just acquiring Sebastian Joseph Day was not enough to go and fix the entirety of your run game. It's like the... Uh, it's like the Suez Canal meme of the little truck trying to hold up the whole barge that stuck in the wall. That was what Sebastian yes. Joseph Day was essentially tasked with doing at being the only meaningful acquisition this offseason in terms of their run defense. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, I think Khalil Mack's done okay. I think he's done okay. Well, he is,
0: but like we think of Khalil Mack as some Khalil Mack is someone there we expect to make splash plays and then show up in pass defense as a pass rusher. There, like when we saw him, like I don't want to like again. We don't think of him for that reason. It's not like Jadevian Clowney who comes in and you go, all right, you're going to get a stellar run defender, and then maybe you'll get some pressure uh, when he's yeah. lined up in favorable matchups, according to him, but. For the rest of this Chargers defense, it's going to be, can Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack give enough pressure and apply enough pressure in the right spots to try and make that a moot point?
1: Yeah, the the problem here is I think I've seen, it's like recency bias, I've seen the Jacksonville Jaguars win a game on defense when their offense was sputtering, and I don't know if I've seen that from the Chargers in recent memory. Like I, I feel like if Justin Herbert isn't there, then the Chargers don't have a chance but I think there's enough going on in Jacksonville, at least to keep it close. That Trevor can do something at the end, but also there's a bunch of different uh, names and weapons, and the other Josh Allen is over there in Jacksonville. Like I think they got some players over there.
0: Well, they do on the front seven, right? Like you've got Travon Walker, yes. the number one overall pick. You've got Arden Key mixed in there. You've got some good bodies in the front seven. Secondary's ass. Like the sec- Like I shouldn't say that. The secondary's you know. Professional players There's who all players, deserve you know, yes. all deserve respect, but it hasn't been good. Like what the Chargers are to rush defense, Jacksonville is statistically to pass defense. And that's unfortunate mm. for them because the Chargers are a much better passing offense. And so for really both sides, it's strength on weakness with the opposing defense. And whoever does the best job of mitigating that is going to be the one that has the best time. I would lean Chargers in this game. They're giving two and a half points on the road. So you've got Jacksonville as a home dog hosting this playoff game. The over-under is 47.5, and and I'm going to gladly take the under on that one. These are two imperfect football teams offensively. We know the Chargers don't take nearly as many shots as we'd like them to. And quite honestly, Mike Williams, who is dinged up, he's listed as questionable, I believe, going into this game. He was a non-participant for two straight days this week. Um, But I think I saw Keenan Allen saying his mindset is to play. I saw it. I felt like, and I like Brandon Staley generally, I felt like he was gaslighting us. And I'm going to pull up the exact quote that I saw. But Brandon Staley, when he was talking to the media, said Mike Williams will travel with the team, and he's officially listed as questionable. And his quote was, the reps aren't what matter, the rest is. Why was he playing against the Broncos then?
1: What? Why was he or Joey Bosa playing against the Broncos? Glad they
0: got the reps so they could go out there and, checks notes, lose to the Broncos in week 18. Like, again, when you coach the cursed team, you can't be doing that stuff.
1: Isn't Brandon Staley, he's just, he's kind of confusing. He's confusing as a head coach. It's been a very confusing year because Brandon Staley
0: went from being this analytical darling of aggressiveness last year, and I shouldn't even say that. He played aggressively as a coach when it came to the decisions he was able to make in a way that a lot of people like because aggressive football is fun. When Dan Campbell does it, we all love that because he's big and jacked and has a beard. Brandon Staley is smaller and a little bit more slight, doing cat camels throwing ass in the end zone, and so all of a sudden people don't. Like that as much, and God forbid it doesn't work a few times, and people all lose their shit. And so this year he kind of waffled, where it was this inconsistent aggression that we couldn't really put our finger on anywhere during the season.
1: Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, you got Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning coach, mm-hmm. taking a team back to the playoffs as the number one seed in his first year with them. Like not I, not the I, not the it, number one seed. No, oh, I'm sorry. They're hosting a division a division game. winner, yes. yeah. So they're hosting a yes, playoff game. Yes, division winner. They're hosting. Yes, they're the they're the they're the they're the favorite in that regard, um, but not the favorite in this game. But I just trust I trust Doug Peterson. I trust Doug Peterson much more than I trust Brandon Staley when it seems to the ability to get a team ready to win a playoff game
0: other thing worth noting in this game and i don't know how big a deal it is trevor lawrence did show up on the injury report listed as i believe questionable with a toe injury which is interesting you think
1: he got gout i don't know hello <laughs> <laughs> hello something from the sofa you said they got good snacks there
0: they do have good snacks there the king's disease
1: Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly
0: that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed scientific board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine. Routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com gojo and use code 25GOJO to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com gojo, code 25GOJO. I will tell you, Brandon, the one thing, and again, as I'm flirting with parlays to build out for tomorrow... The one thing right now that I have circled, if you're looking for a winning bet to use in any form or fashion, this is the one Austin Eckler, over 35 and a half receiving yards. The Jaguars are 30th in pass yards given up to running backs this NFL season. The Chargers are number one in pass yards per game to running backs this season. Easy math, easy money. Go ahead and take that one. He's already broken the team, the franchise record for receptions by a running back. I don't think that stops anytime soon, especially if Mike Williams, one of your downfield threats, is hobbled going into this game. I expect to see a heavy dose of that. And I expect the Chargers. I expect the Chargers to pull this one off, but I think it's messy enough to where I will ride with that Austin Eckler under uh, over 35 and a half receiving yards, but my bet for the game would be under 47.5 total points. Again, if unders are the flavor of wild card weekend, especially traditionally since 2017, these two teams where I could expect a few turnovers to be involved, Trevor Lawrence looked uncharacteristically messy on a couple of critical throws at critical junctures in that game against Tennessee. He was under much more duress than we expect him to be in this game, waiting to see if Rashawn Slater on the other side for the Chargers could be back and healthy. I believe he's been at practice this week. The left tackle for the Chargers, who was you know pro bowler last year, I believe, but at the very least, one of the best young left tackles in the league who missed most of the season with injury. So, can certainly help against that Jags pass rush you talked about, but I will ride with the under in this game and say there's going to be enough mistakes from both sides as you can point to coaching, as you can point to inexperience, any of the above in this game here. Uh, What do you got, Brandon?
1: Do you know any Chargers fans?
0: I already said to you, man, when I went to that Chargers-Dolphins game – Dolphins home game out in Los Angeles. Like I know people joke about that. I know they're the butt of all jokes, but no, I mean, I don't know any Chargers fans. I know like some Chargers, you know, family. I know people that root for them because they've got, you know, kin on the team, but I don't right. know many Chargers fans now.
1: Yeah, it's a, a lot of people in LA are like on the fence still. Like they still need to see something. Let me tell you what. Big
0: opportunity given the fact that the Rams look like they're about to fall off the face of the earth.
1: Big
0: opportunity if you're the Chargers.
1: Not not rebuilding with Justin Herbert right now.
0: No, 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 no. You're in you're in the good place right now. And honestly, for you know, for Brandon Staley, I don't think his job should be in any jeopardy. But everybody seems really excited that Sean Payton's taking interviews again. And this was one of the places that midseason people were starting to circle when things weren't so sweet for the Chargers. Yeah. So it would probably just be better if they went ahead and won this game. And either way, we get a space alien quarterback that moves on to the next round, which is awesome news for everybody. Because we like young, extremely talented quarterbacks. And it's fun to watch them do things that most other
1: people couldn't even comprehend. And so I'm a big fan of that. Speaking of that, and speaking of coaches' interviews, shout out to Jim Ursay interviewing Eric Bieniemy yesterday. You know what I'm saying? They got a little bye week. Kansas City Chiefs. Eric Bieniemy, uh, another another team that uh, I'm not going to s- speak that into existence, but he hasn't taken he hasn't gotten any of these jobs. He hasn't. Seeing it tweeted by Jim Ursay, who recently
0: took a bunch of flack, not because the Rooney Rule had any bearing on the interim hire he made of Jeff Saturday, right, right, right. but because it was a part of the overall conversation about hiring processes and how they negatively affect minority candidates traditionally, seeing Jim Ursay tweet this early on in the process feels like, hey, guys, look, I did it. I did what you guys wanted me to do. Everybody make sure you notice me here. It doesn't make me feel very good as Eric Biennemi has already been a candidate that's been the one whose name gets leaked as part of this Rooney Rule conversation and we have not seen it benefit him in a way that's landed him a head coaching job. So I'm a little, I'm not going to really backpat this one because it feels a little bit performative right now based on recent history.
1: Yeah, he, he, he tweeted it out and then he sent the copy of the tweet or the, the link to the tweet to a group text with Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney and was like, hey, guys, so you guys ain't going to come see me, right? Like, we good? (laughs) Got this one? All right. (laughs) Let's keep it moving.
0: Um, So there we go. Uh, Picks for wild card weekend, again, uh, in no particular order. For me, Giants plus three. Bills minus 13 and a half. Jacksonville and Chargers under 47 and a half. Seattle versus San Fran under 42. And uh the Cincinnati Bengals versus Baltimore over 40 and a half in that game. So uh we'll get uh we'll get a little bit weird on that one. Brandon, uh you've got your
1: picks. Uh do you have your picks in a place where you can read them all off right now? Yeah, it's just all lines though. Uh Seahawks plus nine and a half, Jacks plus two and a half, Bills minus thirteen and a half, Giants plus three, and the Ravens plus Nine and a half. I, I do a lot of underdog picks. I like I like it. Hey, listen, underdogs, again,
0: profitable for the fifth straight season. Uh, weren't great last year on wild card weekend, but uh, underdogs since 2017, again, according to ESPN, 16 and eight against the spread on wild card weekend since 2017. Okay. So, you got a little bit of history on your side. You're 12 and twer- okay. 12 on the year with your picks. I'm 52 59 and four. So, the march to 500 uh, continues for your boy. But Brandon, in the meantime, let's wrap this thing up and ask the most important question of the day. Do you know what time it is?
1: I do, Mike. And since we're talking wild card weekend, I figured, let's get a little wild. Not wild thing, but it feels like I came out the womb with this. Almost as if I was, get your motor running. Get on the highway Looking for adventure And whatever comes our way Yeah, darling gonna make it happen Take the world <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> Okay, you ready? This, that, and the third.
0: I'll fix it in post. It was beautiful. I'm glad I was here for this moment here. Brandon Newman leaning into all genres because if you want dynamic, my brothers and sisters in Christ, he is a chameleon. Make sure you download, Ooh. subscribe, rate, review, gojo, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five star rating and a review. Tell Brandon what a great job he has done in a new year of this, that, and the thirds. Uh, Brandon. Uh, Let's start the new year off with some news in the NFL. The Chicago Bears named former Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren as their new team president. The 59-year-old has 21 years of NFL experience, most recently with the Minnesota Vikings from 2005 until 2019 before his time in the Big Ten. He replaces Ted Phillips, who retired after 40 seasons, with the Bears and comes in at a very interesting time, Brandon. I don't know if you've seen all those mock videos that the folks in Chicago have been releasing trying to keep the team stadium downtown instead of moving up to Arlington Heights and showed the remodel of the stadium where they want to put a top on the Soldier Field in downtown. It was like a Transformers. It was sort of like, have you ever watched HGTV when someone goes in for the remodel and they do the thing where they go inside and they have the graphics move around the interior of the house and show you the final result? They HGTV'd Soldier Field with their vision of what it would look like keeping the team downtown. So that's what Kevin Warren's walking into right now. The man who, for some reason, very strangely enough seems pretty disliked by a lot of big 10 people who are watching him go on the way out here obviously going all the way back to the pandemic he was the first one to stand up and say we weren't going to play football that season breaking rank with a lot of the other power five commissioners before ultimately going back on that and so a lot of people seemed salty on that but I don't know, Brandon, under his tenure, the Big Ten is largely looked at as the power two alongside the SEC and college football's major conferences. They secured, to this point, the largest TV rights deal involving multiple television partners that we've seen Mm -hmm. and recruited USC and UCLA to come to the Big Ten under cover of darkness, so... Uh, again 2020 was difficult for everybody and i'm sure people closer to the situation in the big 10 might feel some type of way but from an outsider's perspective the dude got some pretty big time shit done for the conference and has them positioned to be one of the two conferences that
1: we know will matter in the new college football world order yes he came in and fsh up and there's something about when he got hired that i was like i don't know if he's going to be here for a long time, but I'm glad he got a chance to kind of, I don't want to say graduate up, but he got it to the NFL. He went from, in any way, shape, or form, or if it's, you know, the fifth floor, the upper, the suits of college football, he still got a job in a suit for the NFL, so it's definitely an upgrade, but I did feel the the animosity towards him, I feel like ever since he took the job.
0: Well, I think in college football, and I saw Alex Kirshner over at Split Zone Duo point this out that if you look at a lot of the new commissioner hires right now, a lot of them we talked about the backgrounds are in politics or in business. You know, the I should say the new NCAA commissioner background in politics is the former Massachusetts governor, but you've got people whose backgrounds are in television or in starting up gambling, like. Big twelve. Yeah. The commissioner he came from Rock Nation. You've got people who have different backgrounds because this is a different time in college sport where you need to get shit done with television rights, thinking about the business of the sport more than ever before. And I think Kevin Warren was really an example of that kind of hire. And the impact that he had is undeniable. You can say he walked into a good situation where maybe the Big Ten was always going to be like that, but he's the one that managed to get it done, or was at least at the helm during that time. So I can understand. Understand maybe having a mixed bag of feelings, but some of the
1: negativity has been a little bit weird to see. Yes. I was talking about the Big Ten to Michelle and she gave us a wonderful idea and it's a perfect time for me to bring it up. She said, do you guys think you'd be interested in placing fast food restaurants in their college conference comps and as well as the team within the, the conference? So... Think of fast food tiers in the SEC, in the Big Ten, so forth and so on. Okay. That seems like a big thing to tackle or to chew, take a bite out of, if you will. I am interested in that. What do you
0: think? I am very interested in that because you've got a lot of like regional delicacies. Like, obviously, you're going to bring up the Bojangles of the world into this conversation. I think SEC, of yeah. in the Big Ten footprint something like Culver's, that's so near and dear to us in the Midwest, Ooh, yes. buttered buns for everybody involved here, Little Caesars right. when it comes to pizza, hot and
1: ready. Like C- Culver's is a good example of how you would think it would be Wisconsin, but really they're probably like a Michigan or Ohio State. Yeah, exactly. So I think, yeah. yes,
0: that is – Absolutely, the kind of task that is built for us here on this podcast. So we're going to make sure we give that the proper homework. Do your wife justice in that department and give her a product that she can be proud of on the backside. So thank you to Michelle, as always, one of the fine shadow producers of this podcast. Uh, always texting and tweeting me pictures of Brandon in compromised position that I can then use as po- uh, podcast content. It's a beautiful thing. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Brandon, Thank you. let's get to that. Uh, big news also, uh, this one in the world of college football, as Kevin Warren moves from college to the NFL, Garrett Riley moving from Texas to South Carolina. Clemson announced that it had fired offensive coordinator Brandon Streeter on Thursday and will hire TCU offensive coordinator Garrett Riley, sources told ESPN's Adam Rittenberg and Chris Lowe. Um... Streeter was only the play caller for one season for Clemson. Obviously, a difficult year. DJ Uyangalele ends up benched for Cabe Klubnik by the time we get to bowl season. DJ now at Oregon State, but it was another lackluster year offensively. Dabo had done what he had traditionally done and continued to promote guys internally. There hadn't been a lot of toner over there for assistance in recent years, but in the years where he had lost, you know, Jeff Scott, uh, most recently, um, Their uh, other coordinator, uh, Tony Elliott, to Virginia this past year, and then Brent Venables, the longtime D coordinator, left and went to Oklahoma. Dabo had kind of been looked at and viewed as a guy who was letting a lot of modern college football sort of maybe not pass him by, but go untouched. He talked about not really wanting to deal in the NIL world as much. He said before that he doesn't believe building your team through the portal is what Clemson is going to want to be. But going out and getting the guy that won the Broyles Award for the best assistant in college football at offensive coordinator feels like a decided stab at, all right, we're done messing around right now that year even being a season where you ended up playing in the orange bowl wasn't up to our
1: standard we're going to do something about it. Clemson fans should be thrilled by this. I guess uh I guess Dabo thinks Cade Kudnick was a clubnik He thinks he maybe has a higher ceiling than uh Max Duggan, which we'll see.
0: It's it's interesting to position it to as far as comparatives like you mentioned there because yeah. if you're Clemson, you've got to feel pretty good because as we talked about Texas A&M went out and hired Bobby Petrino away from UNLV. I'd imagine if they were smart, Garrett Riley, who's Lincoln Riley's younger brother, for anyone that can't hear the last name, and one of the hottest young coordinators in college football, I think he's only like 32 or 33 years old, I'm sure someone from College Station dinged his phone. He's in the state. And so if you're Clemson, the fact that you were able to pry him out of there and Texas A&M had to go and hire an older coach who had been around the block a little
1: bit more has to yeah. feel
0: like a vote of confidence for some way in your program.
1: Yeah, true. But I think there's more going on in Texas A&M. Like Jimbo Fisher needed somebody of his... Mothball age to to respect as an offensive coordinator. If he was going to step back from play calling, <laughs> he needed
0: someone of his big age in there. I yeah. my favorite thing of that saga was everyone pointing out that we are like one jump in oil prices away from Bobby Petrino ending up as the interim head coach at Texas A and M, and what that would mean for the world. Uh, So something to keep in mind there. But again, big hire for Clemson fans, like genuinely should be thrilled. That is a huge move for their offseason for a team that's been accused of sitting on their hands a little bit in modern college football. Brandon, let's close this out with a third, because we commented on this the other day, a wrong that we needed righted, or really just a connection that we needed made. Dennis Collins better known as the Popeye's meme kid, the side-eyed young man holding the cup in a GIF that you've probably used at some point in time in your internet life if you've been on God's internet, is now an offensive lineman at Division II Lake Erie College. And we, among many others, yes, Brandon, for those watching on YouTube right now, mimicking the old GIF. We, among many others, pointed out that the fine people at Popeyes, now that we're in the NIL era, need to go ahead and do the damn thing. Need to try and make this happen. Well, we got the update from Dennis Collin himself online and from the Popeyes main account that tweeted out a graphic featuring the meme and now a headshot of his from his current age that said, from memes to dreams, Popeyes, proud sponsor of Dennis Collin. Welcome to the
1: Popeyes family. Brandon, won't he do it? Won't he do it? He, he will. He will. And also Popeye's is now, because I know Dennis is a freshman at 3.30 and I was that at one point in time. So it's important that Popeye's has a grilled chicken sandwich now. I think that's going to be a better option for everyone. But for our podcast, I'm glad that we chicken sandwiched the story because this was one of this, that, and the third topics from Monday's episode. And now the close this out Friday, feels very... Um, holistic for me and I, and I am thankful that he is getting his chicken cash that Aubrey so desperately wanted him to have.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I remember it was, it was, um, it was, what was it? It was, what was it was not Mike, it was uh Marshawn Lynch who said, take care of your chickens and your mentals and your chickens was supposed yes. to be your money. So technically chicken is money. And so he's just getting money every which way around right here. It's perfect.
1: Okay, this is a little sidebar, but shout-out to the Amazon crew and everything they did this season. It's over. Al Michaels will be on the call for one of these uh, playoff games, so we'll get a chance to see him with Tony Dungy actually on the call, which will be interesting. But why did I bring that up?
0: (laughs) Oh, what? What did you I said Marshawn Lynch talked about taking care of your chicken Marshawn lynch which man, you and I are Marshawn both lynch, no. really limping into this weekend right it's, now. <laughs> it's 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 it's
1: yeah, it's it's very deep in a Friday. So it's, it's really Friday. Um, Marshawn Lynch did a great job all season long with that little uh, extra thing he did with the Amazon Prime. I want to shout out him. Very, very funny. He went back to Buffalo at the Applebee's that he frequented. Yes. Remember, remember oh, that. Oh, the main. He, the, he,
0: I think it was a main event story that he did with Kenny Main back in the day when he was in Buffalo. One of the funnier things ESPN ever produced.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I clipped a piece of that because it was so effing funny to me. But he was sitting at the restaurant and he said, uh, "I say my taste buds got elevated to new levels. Got my eyes set on new things, so I think I'm gonna f- around and try these Cheeto Double Crunch Bone-In Wings. Them sound about right." Them sound about right. He said his, his elevated level and now he's going for the Cheeto bone-in crunch rings. And, and the internet, I don't know if you saw, Janet Jackson has never had a hot Cheeto in her life. I, I don't know if that's the... It just—it's just—it's a Marshawn Lynchism.
0: It, you know what? And we are a podcast that proudly supports Marshawn Lynchisms in any and all forms here. So, congratulations to Marshawn Lynch for ascending his taste buds to new heights. Congratulations to Dennis Collin for his deal with Popeyes. Salute, young man. Keep living right. Take care of your chickens and your mentals. You're off to a great start with that right now. Thank you to all you for sticking with us through the entirety of this podcast, listening to our brains sputter and fart at the end of this thing. If you somehow still enjoyed it, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Mike Golook Jr. playlist on there. Go ahead and hit subscribe. Hit the thumbs up buttons. Throw a few comments on there. It all helps. Thanks so much. Enjoy Wildcard Weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.
1: Boom. Money in the bank.